touch her. In chapter 12, in verse 19, in verse 19, Why sayest thou, she is my sister? Why sayest thou, verse 19, she's my sister? So I might have taken her to be wife. And now therefore, behold thy wife, take her and go thy way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away and his wife with all that he had. Maybe seated for a while, please. Now, prayer meeting is on when? Friday night. Pray for an hour and go home. And thank God for what he's done on Friday night for you. Is that right? Amen. You know, the, the word ethics is not in the Bible. And uh, we put a lot of important emphasis on that word, ethics. Sister Aline, film that. Film that for me. All right. Ethics is not in the Bible. Praise God. And this is going to help us tonight because God is going to give the church to have this down pat revival and a great move like we've never had before. The word ethics. Is it in the Bible? Can you find the word ethics? If you can, please show it to me and tell me what version Bible you're reading. I would like to know how to buy that word because it's needful to have. Every business of any worth or value, any company, every owner that is of any worth will tell you its company operate on the word ethics. Ethics. It means more than dollar bill in your pocket. It's a very important thing. What I want you to notice tonight, Abraham twice did wrong things. And yet the issue was never with Abraham. The issue was always with those that responded to Abraham. To be honest, Abraham told a half-truth. It's his sister, all right, but his half-sister. He married his sister. But he never explained it to the gentleman. He meant to mislead him. He misled all those kings. The king of Egypt and the king of the Philistines. Because for his own life, to save his own life, he said, that's my sister. They might just kill me for her. And probably they would have too. <laughs> but he was a coward. He, he, he defended himself and put her into jeopardy. And they were going to respond accordingly. And uh, the Lord, in both cases, had to defend, had to defend Sarah. Because Abraham was going to leave her in that situation. And God says, no way. I'm going to defend that girl. And so God set up there and says, if you touch her, you're dead. If you do this, you're a dead man. Both cases. And But this man talked back to Abraham. I mean to God. and said, God, just a minute. Didn't he say that's my sister? 
And here's the key word he just says. In my integrity, in my integrity, I did this. In other words, I didn't have no evil motive. My motives were clear, clean. I had no evil intent or thought at all in what took place. I was clean. So how are you going to judge me? And he's the guy. But God was not interested in Abraham so much as what the response was to Abraham. And that's what I want to take you to right now. You know, it's so easy for us to point out who hurts me. Who offended me? Who did this to me? And therefore, the end justify the means. Or the means justify the end. Which way you want to say it? Or the situation is is situation of ethics. I can do it based on how my truth will, will let me do what I want to do. But ethics is absolute truth. Ethics is not based on my truth and your truth and their truth. But ethics is absolute truth. It's not based on variableness or variability. And the question is, how can we how can we figure out what is truth and what the ethics? And as I was studying that, it says there the power of ethics. I mean, God could not touch that man. The man says, I did not compromise my values. I was operating in my value system. So he says. And you see, ethics is powerful even though folks don't know it. And getting ahead without leaving your conscience behind is what ethics is. <laughs> getting ahead without leaving your conscience behind. Ethics is, someone says, decent and base. You may not think so. It's not expediency. It is what I must do in spite of the personal sacrifice involved. Another person, ethics is the blueprint for building a caring environment in any organization or church a relationship. Ethics. Ethics is the guide that should give us the proper GPS in making decisions. I will not make decision without ethics dictating the course I should take. And if ethics is involved, I will always take the high road. Now, you may not appreciate this tonight, but you will when you stand before God. <laughs> and realize, I'm not just changing your schedule, I'm maybe changing your destiny. They said that ethical behavior is not something you're born with, it's something you learn. You learn. Even kids can learn it. And should learn it. Because ethics is doing what is right rather than what is expedient. Doing what is right 
rather than what is expedient. Amen. And the only way to have an healthy environment where everybody can turn their back to each other is where ethics abound. Amen. No one has to cheat to win. Hello? No one has to cheat to win. Now, I want to talk to you about the Bible. Can the Bible give me some direction here? I'm going to give you two perspectives. The Bible, the Bible perspective, how to figure out when a thing is ethical and want the world look at it in the industrial system. The industrial model and the biblical model. Let's look at the biblical model first. Because we have to understand that. Because, you know, God, <laughs> a lot of churches are in operation, but they're not all ethical. Paul writes to the, uh, the, the Jews who used to brag how, how smart they were in Romans. And they said, look, you know, thou that teachest a man should not whatever, do thou do us the same? You know what he says? They say that? You know, or, are you ethical? Or do you think? Or put it this way. Does Pastor Neil think he will get away with God if he tell you not to do it, but he's doing it? No. It's not going to work. Because I preach it doesn't mean I escape the judgment if I'm condemning myself also. Hello. That's very powerful to understand that we, nobody escaped God's righteous judgment. You can't buy God. You can't buy God. And do you notice when, when Job's wife said, curse God and die, God never dealt with Job's wife. But the issue was with Job. How is Job responding to this crisis? God didn't talk to Abraham about his eyes. He talked to Abimelech. How he responded to that being tricked. If you notice how Jacob deceived his father, Isaac, robbed Esau. But the whole discussion is not about what Jacob did. It's that God never even discussed it with him. But God discussed the hate. <laughs> the hate. That his brother had for him. And that, you know what, tonight, your response to what you're going through is going to condemn you or release you. The way you are behaving, whatever you're thinking right now, whatever you plan on doing, that's going to make a difference in your future with God and an outcome. You can point to all the faults in other people all you want to, it's not even going to work. You might as well give up on it. The question is, what are you planning on doing when Jacob steal your birthright? Or Abraham lied to you? Hello? Or look at David. I mean, <laughs> you're Saul trying to kill David. He's trying to kill him with javelins, amen, and with conspiracy. And then David, David, had an opportunity to retaliate. Is that right? And cut his garment, which represented his reputation, and when he did it, guess whose heart smote him? David. Huh. I mean, it wasn't about Saul. It was about what are you doing with the chance you got to do something about it? Now, you finally got power. Are you going to use it or not? Destructively or constructively? Hello? And that's where ethics comes in. How are you going to use the power? 
Joseph would never use it. And you're not going to use it either. When you get powerful and strong, you're not going to use it either. You're just going to back off and do the right thing. Because what ethics is. And God bragged on Job, not his riches, but God bragged on the ethics of Job. Job was willing to lose his prosperity and his blessing, but one thing he would not lose was his ethics. He says, I ain't going to give that up for nothing. Now, ethics is equal to the word integrity. There is no difference in the two words. We call it in, in humanity, ethics, but God called it integrity. Now, I want to take it to your Bible and show you God's model of how to determine if Pastor Neil is a hypocrite or not, or if you're a hypocrite or not, or your friends are a hypocrite or not, or your sister is or your brother is. And I'm not giving you this to go judge people with, but it's for I to judge me. To know, am I a man of integrity? Am I a woman of integrity? What do I have? Okay? In First John, put it on the board for me, folks can see it. You need to see it. Chapter 1, and verse 6. No, I know you didn't come for this tonight. But that's what prayer meeting is. You never know you ain't going to meet an angel, or, or a cherubim, or a seraphim. God's full of surprises. I've gone to God in prayer, hoping to complain about my problems, and God should sing me a song. So I sing in tongues. And I couldn't pray. My problems is to sing me a song. But in First John 1, 6, I want, you, I want you to underline this word in your mind or in your Bible. You're going to see a, re- a repetition here. Anything God repeats is being it's established. If we say, it's going to be a word to repeat itself several times. Now it says, if we say, because there are seven tests that you need to test yourself with, to know if you have integrity or you're just a hypocrite. I can call you a hypocrite and for me it would be an accusation. But you can test yourself to know if you are an hypocrite by the test of God's word. If I tell you're a hypocrite, I'm just accusing you with my own self-evaluation. And it may be false. But if you go through this test and you can pass this test, then you're either not a hypocrite or you're an ethical person. If we say, or if I say, that I have fellowship with him, but I walk in darkness, then we lie. That's test number one. If I lie, then I have a false fellowship. That fellowship is false. Number two, test number two. Chapter 1 and verse 8. If I or we say that we have no sin, then we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. That's false sanctification. Or false sanctity. In other words, you're lying. Test number 3. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, 
and his word is not in us. Again, that's false. That's false righteousness. Test number four. Chapter 2, verse 4 of 1 John. He that saith, I know him, right? And keepeth not his commandment is a liar, and the truth is not in him. That's false allegiance. See, it's not hard to find the, real, the true church. It's not hard to find the true church if you're serious about it. Every church is going to pass these tests. Every person has to pass them. The fifth test is, He that saith, chapter 2 and verse 6, 1 John, He that saith ye abide in him, ought to himself, right? Also, so to walk, as he walked. Now, if you walk contrary to that, you're lying, you're false. And your behavior is false. Chapter 2 and verse 9 is test number 6. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother or his sister is in darkness even unto now. We call that false spirituality and you're lying. And the seventh test is if a man or a woman saith, right? He that saith is in the light. Chapter 2 verse 10. Please go there. Verse John. He that loveth not his brother or he that loveth his brother abide in the light. If you don't love you in the darkness. And there's no occasion of stumbling in him. Now that's not true about your love for your brother or sister. Then you have a false love. Your love is feigned. It's pretentious. Now, folks, what does those tests tell you? <clears throat> it's not me judging you. It's the word. Jesus said, the word I speak, they judge you. Those are seven tests of people who profess but don't possess. These are people that are in words but not in deeds. Let's go again. Test number one says, you're not honest with others. You're involved in false fellowship. Test number two says, you're not even honest with yourself. With your false sanctity. Test number three says, you're not even honest with God. Test number four says, <laughs> you're not honest with Jesus Christ at all in your allegiance. Test number five says, you're not honest with the world. You walk in contrary to the truth in the world. It's a false behavior. Test number six says, hello, you're not honest with your Christian brother and sister. 
test number seven says, by all reasoning, you're false to all. Asked my wife this morning, or yesterday, I was asking her, and teaches, I said, how many times the Lord is the word hypocrites? Lots. And he never called the sinners hypocrites. Only the Pharisees and the Sadducees. If you ever read the 23rd chapter of Matthew, Lord, my God, Jesus come down the line heavy on them. And they said to us, when you pray, be not as the hypocrite. When you give, be not as the hypocrite. Now we're saying, what you're doing, make sure it has integrity in it. Because God brags on not your riches, not on your talents. He brags on your integrity. And the Lord said, what, what, what defile a man is not what others do to you. It will come out of you to other people. That's what defile us. Now you see why I can't be nasty to Sister O'Donnell. Even if she is rambunctious. You see why I can't be, you know, just just privately hate Sister Alexander Senior. I can't do that. Because when I'm doing all that and I come to Jesus Christ, He looks beyond that. And those folks might be a wretch in my life. Thorn in my life. Hopefully not. But that's not what he wants to talk about. He wants to talk about you. You see, there are seven marks of sincerity that God used in John. See, these epistles, you know, these epistles, it's not about getting saved, it's about questioning whether you're saved. Questioning whether you're saved. Or if you plan to be saved. Look at First John 2 and verse 9. It talks about a blind hate that we can have for each other. Look at chapter 3 and verse 9. It says, you cannot continue in sin and claim you're born again. I don't know how folks who does that. But that doesn't justify me to do it. Chapter 4 and verse 7 is... is Test number three. Right? Do we really love one another like we say we do? Or just lips? <laughs> just to gratify and satisfy the rest of us. But I really I don't. Look at the test of sincerity, number four. Chapter five and verse one. Are we really in love with God? Look at test number five. Do we really love our brother or sister? Do we really? You know, some people we feel is unlovable, and you've got to love the unlovable. Some people, it's impossible to have peace with them, but God said, make peace. Not get peace, make it. You know, make it mean? Create it. Pursue it. This church will only be effective when all these things are formed in us. And they'll come out of us. Because what's in a man must come out of him. 
in word or in deed. Chapter 5, verse 4. Sincerity, number 6. Check it out. Are we overcoming the world or the world overcome us? Because what I'm trying to say is, if that's the way the world will handle it, that's not the way I should handle it. I'm reflecting the wrong world. Find verse 18. Look at that. I'm the untouchable. The wicked one doesn't touch me. Because, hey, devil don't have any of those 19 works of the flesh on me. Hello. They're not there. In other words, Jude said, true Christians are people who preserve pure fellowship. You know what fellowship means? We all get in the same boat. Fellows in the ship. Fellowship is that. Amen. And that must be endless, pure. Amen. And it must be without blemish. Can say amen? Now, God want us to know that. Now, I want to share something on the board here. I want to go home. Now, either your your science is deceptive or you're just odd. Which is it? Or it's in the, it's in the prayer mode still. You know, I was sleeping prayer meetings, so is it? Or it's in the prayer mode? Which mode are you in? I'm trying to figure it out. I don't want to judge you, want to tell me. Which mode are you in for? Let's look at this here tonight. You see, can God, can God trust me with your failures? Can God trust the person beside you with your faults? What do you do about it? Do you spread it or do you cover it? It takes love cover up your neighbor's faults. And I do not mean compromise it. I mean, like David, don't spread this in Gath. Don't publish it. If I go to Sister Alexander's Junior, and I mean Sister Miles, rather, Junior, and say to her, Sister Ian, you're a senior right, right now, right? Sister Miles, senior. You're now a senior. All right? And, and and, and and talk about Sister uh, Sister Nisha to her. I'm not covering. I'm planting. Now, Sister Miles, in the beginning, thought you were good until I talked to her. She's now bad. You always have to be suspicious of her. Now, because what I told you, and Sister Nisha, there's nothing nothing you can do about it because it's going to bother you no matter what you try. It's already now in. I've deposited it in the soil, and you got to you got to struggle with it. I understand that. I gave you a plantation you didn't even ask for. You got to struggle with it. Struggle. Think about it. You got to struggle with it. 
and deal with it. Amen. And sometimes people can deal with it and some can't cope with it. They said to overthrow the faith of others. They overthrow their faith. Come to lose faith in the faith or lose faith in another person for which they should have no reason to lose faith. All right? It, it, it don't take one nightmare <laughs> to make you don't want to sleep in that room anymore. <laughs> Just one. All right? Let's go to this one here now. Only the cemetery never have problems. But the sanctuary will always have problems. Only cemeteries will never have conflict among people side by side. But in the sanctuary, side by side, I'm promising you as God made the green apples, you're going to have problems in conflict. But can God trust you with that conflict? To pass the seven ethical tests because of the seven virtues that's in you. Is this too much? Should I go in and preach again and not come back till another two weeks? <laughs> Just say amen. Thank you. God bless you, whoever you are. Thank you, sister. I will put put up her name down, please. She said I should go away come, and not come back. Thank you very much. I, I'll make note of that. I can handle that. Don't she slay me while I praise her still? Ethics. The five P's of ethics. Okay? They should become, I'm going to tell you later on what they are, they should become the moral principles that guide our decision when we're faced with ethical dilemmas, ethical difficulties, or ethical crisis situation. There's some things we're going to ask ourselves. I've seen good saints turn to become bad saints. Good saints become bad saints. Some it's gradual, some instamatic, but in every case, they were faced with moral decisions, spiritual decisions. Hello? And look at this right here. This is the model I'm going to show you. When faced with problems or challenges, if you're in control of your ethics, you'll always return to your principles. No matter what your problems are. My principles become my guide. And somebody who lives by principles never has to decide about making a decision. They never have to. It is always there. Think about it. When faced with problems or challenges, you return to your ethical principles. 
and there are five P's. So ethics is what you think of others in the privacy of your mind and concealed in your heart. That's deep theology. All we can see from there, I just don't want to see it. It's up to you. But it's on the board here. I'm going to move on here. If you ever have a team together, it becomes dead meat when ethics is not there. It rots. Just turn the word team around and get meat. Dead meat. Stinks. Rots. You can't eat, you can't nothing with it. All because of these five things. Pressure. Pleasure. Power. Pride. And priorities. You ever heard, looking for the perfect church? When you go in there, friend, you have to deal with all these. You see, what undermines relationship is this term, me, I, and myself. Called self-worship, self-centeredness, overrated ego, runaway self-aggrandizement, grandiose of self. The pressure to compromise values so that I look good. That's what was Saul's problem. Saul, because Samuel didn't show up, he felt pressure to do the wrong thing. He said, I forced myself. He knew it was in contrary to his values. I forced myself. Is this all right? Well, I don't know mean it. It's subconscious being no. I want you yay. Is this all right? Pressure to compromise values just to look good. It mess up ethics. Or pleasure. If it feels good, do it. Even though you know you're giving the temptation, it's going to cost you later. But self-gratification for the moment. Right? Short-term gain, long-term pain, so what? Eat, drink, and marry tomorrow we die. So what? Let's just do it. If he's good, do it. That's wrong. That's wrong. Power. You wage war for dominion. Highly competitive. I must win at all costs, and I know what's best for the rest of the group. And only my information is useful information, and yours never any good enough. Highly competitive. It's my way or the highway. And then make you, because I gotta be number one, you know, and I, I, I'm not number two, I'm number one. I'm, I'm gonna look to my reputation, I'm gonna be number one, you understand? And I move over, <laughs> I'll push you over. And number four, pride. Face saving act. It's not your place. Hello? 
but you do it just to save face. Pride! Honor me that they may honor me too. Forget about what's, what's wrong. Just honor me. In jobs, that's very prevalent. Hello? And also, last one is priorities. Self-interest means more than relationship. That's where you posture. You run by position. My image. How do I look? How do I look? Now I'll tear the whole thing up, sink the boat if I have to, because pressure, pleasure, power, pride. I think that's why God says not a novice. I, I, a lot of folks in this church believe that a novice means somebody who is lacking in skill and talent. On the contrary. A novice is somebody who is skillful, or they're beautiful, handsome, they're needed, and they know it, and they make you know it too. That's who a novice is. A novice is someone who is boastful, proud, full of pride. That's who a novice is. A novice is not a person who is, who is not able. They're well able, and they will cross the line. Because they're stout shirt, no, stout shirted, stout hearted. And God said, lest they be lifted up. Come on, church. If you're, if you're lacking skill, you don't lift yourself up. People who lift up themselves are people who know they're good and they do it. Like these kids in the news today, they're, they're being charged around the world, right? For what they're doing, because they're famous, right? And their fame gets to their head. And, and they do crazy stuff. They become a law to themselves. Hello? And the law is not for them, right? So, and obviously somebody who knows you're good and want you to know it and better, better respect them. You don't know who I am? I'm going to tell you who I am. And I'll show you who I am. I'll show you what I can do. I'll show you the power I have. Right? So all these are internals. And friend, they undermine ethics. It is a bomb way to go off. People with these things, they're like terrorists. They strap this around their belly. They rather blow the thing up than make you have the winning note. Rather sink the ship than know they have to suffer by losing to you. Me bound to you? The five P's that undermine team ethics. Because team means together we achieve more. But when it's dead, meet friend, everybody run from the smell. The smell stinks while running away. We're going to be a part of it. It's going to tell one skunk to change the whole group. Hello? Ethical question. What I do, or about to do, what I feel, and the way I'm reacting right now, ask of these questions, these five questions. Is it legal, what I'm doing? Is this legally permitted? Is it legally permitted? Am I allowed to do what I'm doing? Ask yourself the question. Or is it supportive or subversive?
I've seen good people, bad people. I have showed you all things. But they never asked themselves the question. Well, what you're asking me to do, is this legal? Is this proper for you to say what you say? Are you crossing some lines here? Are you t running into areas where angels fear to tread? Number two. Am I driven by self-interest or self-sacrifice? What I'm involved in, what am I going to do right now? What's this all about? Showmanship or stewardship? Is this showmanship or stewardship? Am I involved in self-interest right now or self-sacrifice? What's my real motive for doing what I'm doing? And I'm thinking of talented people. Hallelujah! Amen. Amen. Went to visit Each Brother Jobin. It's not about him. It's about them. And number three, ethical question I'm going to ask yourself. What I'm doing right now, am I still governed by my principles or by my pride? What's controlling me, pride or principles? You see, I have to do these that will fall in the condemnation of the devil. I told you, I'm a bad preacher, folks. I'm not preaching condemnation. I'm preaching for conviction and heart searching. Because if I'm governed by my pride, then the ends justify the means, or the means justify the ends. Which one is it? Or by my principles. I know Abraham. Well, God said that, so. God says, I know David. Well, David did some wrong stuff, too. God said, You embarrass me, David. No, you can't look good or look, look bad. You can't. Number four, are you acting out of prudence, that means wisdom, or are you being wacky, being ignorant? <laughs> Why are you doing what you're doing? Are you acting out of prudence or just being wacky and foolish or willfully ignorant? Folks, what my topic is all about? Ethics. And ethics is about how I relate to others. That's all ethics is. Ethics is about interpersonal relationship. Is that true? And how I handle other people's goods. How I handle other people's character. How I handle other people's reputation. How I handle things about people. Do I spread a cord or discord? What do I do? What am I involved in? What am I all about? Well, the five P's. The five P's of good ethics. Good ethics is one, 
What is my purpose? What is my purpose for what I'm doing? You know, when kids come and tell each other kid, you the mom and dad have to ask, now what is this kid telling me? Why are they telling me? Is it in the best interest of the one they're telling on? Or I try to, you know, put them down. You know, when, when you do that, why are you doing this? Why are you telling me? What, what's your real motive behind what you're telling me? What is your reason for doing this? Are you trying to blow their bubbles? Or are you trying to compliment them or criticize them? Which one is it? Wait, why are you telling me this? My purpose when I'm acting is talk about which road I choose to travel on in my action, my thoughts, my words, and my deeds. Which road I choose, the road least travel or the one that's the low road or the high road? Is this all right? You can teach your kids ethics. Also teach yourself, all right. Hello? Brother Beaton, you're laughing. Why is that? Tell me, share it with me. Does it make sense? Am I teaching right? What's pride? Pride can be positive or negative. I'm talking about here now positive situation here. Positive self-image and importance. I'm not thinking more highly of myself than I ought to. I'm balancing my thinking. In my positive mental attitude, right? I dress with pride. I conduct myself in proper decorum, right? That's good pride. And I have modesty. I'm not extravagant. I'm not lascivious or, or exposing of myself. Sense of pride. That's, that's positive pride. Then you got patience. Not impulsive. I don't force myself against my better judgment. But I did count the cost. I take into consideration the cost, you know, the, you know, the risk. I minimize the risk. Yeah? Maximize the benefit. Huh? And everything I do is consequential. I know what I'm getting into. And number four, persistence. Staying the course in spite of the cloud and the storm. That don't frustrate me to go crooked. Because things aren't coming my way. I'm staying the course. I'm staying in my lane. I may lose, but I lose with honor. Rather than win and can face the guy in the mirror after it's all over. In other words, having a conscience void of offense. Number five, P is perspective and ruled by my core values. My core value. I will not change it for nothing, even mean my death. Naboth would not sell his vineyard, even the cost of his life. Job would not let go of what he believes in. 
is right in spite of the boils and the war situation. That's why I plan to survive as a Christian. I've met all kinds of people, good people, bad people, the ugly ones and the pretty ones. I've met all kinds. But they don't shake me because I live by my value. Paul says, I live by the Christ that what? Was crucified for me. I was in a, in a meeting last week, and during discussion, this church run 2000, and I said, I like that church because not too much rules. And right there I knew what, what it meant. I knew what it meant. You correct a fool and get an enemy. And correct a wise man and get a friend. That's sinking your heart. Correct a fool, and you're bound to gain an enemy. And you correct a wise man, and you gain a friend. A wise man will increase in learning from correction, and a fool despise chastening. There are people that cannot handle truth, so they love darkness more than light. Jesus said that. Collide, expose, and demand change. But lies give you a delusional outcome. <laughs> like hyperthermia, you think you're warm, but you're dying. Unfortunately, people love churches like that. <coughs> I watch parents who hate other parents who are strict and they're very permissive. Well, I grew up with that. Every permissive parent said, no, kids become criminals, murderers, they kill. Everyone, not one, I can't tell one I know of in my country that survived. Not one. Not one of those kids survived. Not even one. Not even one. And the ones you know, I would call abusive and battering and all that, kids turn out good. That's amazing, isn't it? Over here they say you abuse the kid and he can turn around and abuse the parents. <laughs> Over there it's reversed. So, you know, it's amazing. And I found out, God said, no, that, that chastising is a sign of love. Discipline mean, amen, ruled by law. A disciple of Christ is somebody who's a disciplined follower. A disciplined follower, my friend, I mean, you've learned to toe the line. Now, I know you're not in the mood for studying tonight, but, you know, so life is. When Christ comes, you don't know if you come on Tuesday or Friday. You'll be ready for the wedding gown, right? Well, we go, God, we don't get married on Tuesday. We're going to get married on Saturday. Too bad. Today I'm coming. Hello? There's no special services on, you know, some folks dress especially for Sunday, and, and Tuesday don't mean nothing. Foolishness. Every day, is, every day is Sunday in the Lord. Now, no reflection on your dressing, folks. <laughs> That's your prerogative. All right, look at this here. The five stars. The five stars of your five Ps. But in the midst of the five stars are the five falling stars. <coughs> Remember we got purpose, 
good purpose, good pride, good patience, good persistence, good perspective. <coughs> and this is you. This is your ethics. I don't mark it here. But here's ethics right here. What am I doing? Is it legal? What I'm going to do and say and act out, is it for self-interest? How many of you will sacrifice your own opinion, your own ideas for the group decision? Not many people will do that. It only takes a special kind of people. If you're going to employ Urban Radio Smart on CBC and, and they have no idea they're going to do this, they said, when you employ people, that says, on what basis do you employ them on? It says, not talents alone. A lot of folks got talents, but they don't have right attitude. And the whole conference is an attitude. You could be rejected based on the attitude only. And there are three things that makes you get employed. Skill, knowledge, and attitude. And the most important one is attitude, because that decides if you fit in the chemistry of the existing compound. It only take one defect to spoil anything that was running. The word fault is what caused earthquakes. <laughs> you have an earthquake in a group, you get one faulty person there. It brings the whole thing down. You want to get sick and fall apart, get one little bug in your life, and the whole body is sick. I don't care how healthy the rest of it is, your body's coming down. All right? My ethics, is it, is it legal? My ethics, is it self-interest? My ethics, is it based on self-expediency? My ethics, is it about power struggle? My ethics, is it about self-aggrandizement? Now, folks, if you want to make higher with Jesus Christ, you better learn that. Beautiful question. There are two kinds of stars. Any star that moves is a falling star. But a true star is in the same place every time. Never moves. But a star that's falling always shines very bright and then goes out. And you see it move across the sky. Tomorrow's not there. church sometimes I feel like a mother preaching to you wondering Lord what are they thinking scan their brain pretty quick what are they thinking Lord Jesus he said none of your business <laughs> that's private to me and them <laughs> but look at this folks the next time before you act or react ask the question number one is it legal what I'm doing or what my friend asked me to do. Or what the group wanted to do. Is it legal? Is it proper? Number two, is it ethical? Is it proper? Or if Jesus was here, would he approve of this? Or better yet, would the pastor approve of this? What about the saints? Is it okay with the saints? When I make decision, I always have a rule I follow. First of all, does it meet God's standard? Number two, 
Does it violate God's word? Number three, will the pastor prove of it? And number four, does it affect my relationship with my church? And friend, you better be right all, all of them. Not once one, all of them. If one is wrong, they're all wrong. I can't repeat, I can't remember them now. I'll try hard. God, we've got to prove it. The Word of God does it endorses it. Would my pastor okay it? And does it affect my relationship with my church? Friend, I don't care how badly I'm in need. The question is, I says, no. I'm not going to get involved in it. Now, I'm a pastor, and I have to apply that with men of God I meet. Men of God want to endorse Bible. I can't endorse. They want me to go straight right. I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. Friendship has nothing to do with my ethics. My ethics determine my friends. My friends don't determine me. I determine my friends. Based on birds of a feather flock together. And how can two walk together except they first agree? And I'm telling people, I mean, I pray, I says, I don't care who walked through that building. They don't have to like this church, but I like my God. And I will not change my doctrine, my standards, and my faith, and my belief just to get them in. No way. I don't need them. I'm going to stand firm. They can take the church of their choice. But as for me in my house, God is the approved. Does the Bible endorse it? Is a preacher for it? And will it affect my worship at my church? If it's all in the affirmative, I'm going to go that direction. As long as I do that, I'll never have a problem. When the devil comes with temptation, what do you think? I think I'll fight him with those things. Now, Satan, when you do this with me, and I do what you say, what will that left me? Disinherited. Make me scared of God. Look at Adam and Eve. Look where they end up. They're unethical. They should never have a discussion with the devil in the first place. And number two, they shouldn't believe that God was lying to them. And number three, they should not believe that God didn't care for them. God did everything to prove to them he cared for them. And yet they believed Satan over God and lost everything. All right. Will I compromise my standard? Now, number th- is it legal? Am I ethical? Number three, what is my real motive for doing what I'm doing? Number four, will I compromise my standards? Number five, am I undermining? Oops. You know, I searched every trip I've been on for the right shirt to wear, and I couldn't find You asked my wife, and I could not buy them. For me, it didn't meet my values and I could not do it and I will not force myself to learn something that I know is contrary to my standard I came this far living by this rule you'll take me the rest of the road situation don't determine what I do no my principle does but five am I undermining uh, we're sitting in a group meeting on top of the boss and us and his boss my boss boss 
was out there, and I'm looking through the mirror, and he says some terrible thing about his boss. And we all sat there. It was supposed to be in a team meeting. And some terrible things. And one guy who was very ethical said, he is unethical. What he's doing is wrong. Now, only he felt that way. And I felt that way, too. He was wrong what he's doing. And he was sowing in us disrespect. Disorganizational behavior. Dysfunctional behavior. Am I undermining? Number six, am I making it worse than it really is? Joseph told Potiphar's family, I can't do that. I'm going to sing against God, and then him who trusted me, and then my own conscience. And I'm not going to do it. I'd rather lose my shirt than lose my ethics. He left me in charge. He trusts me. Why would I violate that? Why would I trust that that, that trust that was put in me? You know, I was, it was entrusted to me. I can't do that. No. Do it without me. Count me out. I won't be a part of that. Am I making worse than it really is? The way you tell it. Are you stretching it? Are you distorting the story? Just trying to look good. Where will this all end? When you finish doing what you're doing, where will it all end? Will we still have a tower or a stable situation? You scatter. Take a long time to get a tree growing. Only one axe to bring it down. It's a long time. Number seven, where it all ends when I'm through doing what I just did. Number eight, is my position constructive or destructive? After they nailed Jesus, the Bible says, they just watch. <laughs> they just watch. You know, Jonah preached, and Jonah's motive in preaching was so bad when he preached. He waited for God to destroy him. He just sit there and watch. When God didn't know it, he got mad. Get <laughs> a revival in one. So next time before you act, I accept the question, is it legal? Am I ethical? What's my motives? Will I compromise my standards? Am I undermining, oops, the team leader, the group leader, the song leader, the conference call? I, didn't, I don't approve of it, so it shouldn't happen. I'm going to sabotage it. I'm going to call in sick. I can't come. Or I'm going to sit there and just do it while you talk and let you know I don't like what you're doing and, and make sure so so join me so I can see everybody's doing it too. It's not my idea. It's, you know, so I'm not going to support it. Where does it all end when you're through doing what you're doing? And is my position constructive or destructive? Now, folks, look, it's not all that bad. I'm going to close stay with me for a while. But you know, ethics have both sides. Pride is good, and you can't have pride without spelling I in the middle of it. P-R-I-D-E. There's always an I in pride. To that person beside you, there's always I in pride. 
if I take the P off, what do you get? Right on. <laughs> what? Right on, old pride. All right. But if God have his way, he wants you to get rid of your... What? Rid of your... Pride. Are we going to see that? Now, negative pride is you are superior. Your superiority over everybody else. Boasting. Egotistical. Self-worship. False pretense. Arrogant. Vain imagination. I'm just vain. Grandiose. Hypocrite. And excessive. My way is better than any other way. And you guys don't know what you're talking about. I'm the star. I want you to know it. If you don't know it, I'll show you. I'll sabotage the whole thing. You can't make it without me. And when you fail, I'll just rejoice. Don't you need me now? <laughs> I don't tell you, I was really needed, church. You know, I was really needed. You put your hand in a basin of water. Look at the big hole you make. Now, take your, back, take your hand back out of there. So what happened. How big a hole you left? None. When the guy was preaching, he said, Well, God, when I'm gone, take care of my church for a minute. God says, Just a minute. And who was taking care of the church when you were there? Not you. God was. But here's positive pride. Positive pride. Pride in your accomplishment. Pride in that you got a lot of the conscience. Void of offense. I'm proud because I respect myself. It's below my dignity to do anything ungodly. I will not do that. I can't do that. No. All right? I got pride because I'm true. I'm true, but what you see is what you get. I'm not two-faced. I'm not a wax. I'm genuine. All right? I'm got pride that I, I'm humble. Not that I'm going to tell you I'm humble, but I take that lower seat. And if you want to get me up higher, I'll go there. I take pride in the way I dress for success. Right? I take pride in the fact I practice temperance moderation. I take pride in, all right, generosity. I take pride in the way I got a moral value and standard. There are certain things that are not my moral value, and I won't do that. Sorry, teacher. Can't do that. Boss, can't do that. I will not do that. It's violent who I am. That's not me. All right. Look at the symptoms, folks. Pride symptoms. Because that's what the problem is. Pride. It was pride in Satan. Pride caused us all the pride to stumble, right? Pride is a problem with all of us. We should have pride, good pride, not bad pride. Right? Is this all right, folks? Is this all right, folks? Yeah. Folks, is all right? Shut up! All right. Pride symptoms. The negative ones. Destroyed self-image. All I am is just an overblown stuff shirt. Or I'm delusional. Or deceived. Or just simply not trusting. Bizarre and cold hearted. 
pride. Pride! Distorted self-image. Oh, when I, one young man was called a priest to tell me, he came to church late, just to make sure everybody didn't know he was going to preach that day. Night, and he came, came in late, and he wore his fancy colors, and his nice white boots, and walked up there, man, and he came to the pulpit, and threw his Bible down, and opened up his text, and the people are waiting for him now to speak. He opened his Bible, and he read the scripture, and from there on he was stuck. He could go no further. And they waited, and they waited, and they waited, and he couldn't do anything. And so he decided to step down on his own. And when he go down, the old preacher garbage says, Come here, son. If you have been going, if you've been coming up, that you're going down. <laughs> it would have been the reverse for you right now. In other words, God just took the sail out of his wind, or the wind out of his sail, rather, and he could not perform. One of the guys says, I'm going to drop a, a bombshell tonight. He went to drop a bombshell preaching sermon. And he got there. And he went up there. And the bishop, all the bishops are waiting for him to give the bombshell. And they waited and waited. And then he's got this preacher. He should know better not to do it while he's present. He said, well, folks, the brother said tonight he was going to hear, give us a bombshell. I didn't hear a pin drop. Didn't you, folks? Before everybody. Mm. Brother Bosa, Brother Terry did to me one time something I forget. He said, I want you to preach for me. Tonight you're going to preach. So so he got there. Big service, about 500 people. Well, they're to preach. He'll put his text, start reading. Brother Terry says, Sit down! I said, Sit down! So he folded. Answers the military, you asked me to preach. What did I do wrong? He said, I said, try the spirit. I want to see what you're made of. I wonder how many saints I'd have lost that time. Many wouldn't come back. He came back. Pride, positive symptoms balanced view of self illuminated self-acceptance real attached and connected to the rest of the body of Christ and collective alright I'm taking too long here we went through this a while ago it was in your Bible here we go through the, the the biblical model in John 1, 6, 1, 8, 1, 10, 2, 4, 2, 6, 2, 9, 2, 10. Here's it again. When the first one says you're not honest with others, you're not honest with yourself, you're not honest with God, you're not honest with Jesus Christ, you're not honest with the world, you're not honest with the church, and you're false to all. We went through that already. It's amazing how we lie. We can lie to ourselves. We deceive ourselves, Bible says. Right? And the truth is not in us. The word is not in us. And it goes on and goes on. Now, let come to a close here. Look at this test of sincerity. People say they love somebody 
and yet when they see them coming, they go through a chemical reaction. I saw a picture one time, a snake and a bullfrog. And in, the, in National Geographic, it said, if the frog ever looked at the snake eyeball to eyeball, he will kill him. So it uses eyes to hypnotize him. So you can see in the picture how the frog is full of fear, and they use a, uh, a special camera that shows the color of the frog changing all the different uh, changes in his body because he fear being killed, right? And so in that fear, what happened there is you can see the eyes are like this and the different colors. And I thought to myself, Lord, you know, people go through that. They blow right up when they see their adversary. Rather than be calm and be cool and be collective. Would you stand? You know, David, David, David learned this. David knew that the he was not perfect. And church, what Jesus is trying to teach me, and I'm teaching you, that I always have a beam in my eyes. And everybody I'm working with only have a moat. When I go preach out to somewhere, I don't try to pastor that church. I'm not going to tell a guy to pastor his church. <laughs> I'm not from there. But we've got some will come here and try to pastor you. We'll even try to tell you behind my back how things should be. And I teach folks this. If, if these men come by and do certain things with you, you ought to know they're being unethical. And if you don't know, I promise you, friend, you're a candidate for deception. Because I said, my sheep knows my voice. And I've seen good saints become bad people. Because they, you know, once that meat gets spoiled, friend, you can't bring it back. <laughs> you can't bring that meat back. Is it possible? All right? But you see, the one with the big old beam in his eyes, always finding fault with others, oversensitive, right? Self-worship, superior, judgmental, egotistical, inflated, and of self, and, and really combative. A brother, a very famous uh, leader of home missions one time, was telling a they're preaching here somewhere. He says, this guy picked him up in the, to preach for him. He says, I hate this city. I can't stand those folks. And he's berating it. I don't really want to be here. And he's carrying on. He says, after he dropped the load, he says, my good man, I'd advise you to pack your bag and leave. Boy, he had a joint on his hand. But it's no different than saying, I can't stand sister so-and-so. I can't stand brother so-and-so. I can't stand with such those things. They can't sing. They can't carry a tune. Well, first of all, they're not singing to you. And first of all, they're not trying to please you. You just happen to be there. But they're there for the master. The master receives them. And he said, look, stay in your lane. Don't cross your lane. Maybe you'll do things differently. Because you're smarter. Thank God you are. Maybe you're, you're more talented. Bless God you are. But let me give God my squawk. 
Let me give God my off-key singing. Let me give God my you know, grammatical error when I'm preaching. Don't worry about it. He can still work with it anyhow. There's a poem I got for you here. Can I give it to you? I'll give it to you anyhow. I'm going to finish up here. If I'm a poem here, I want to give you a poem I have here. I want you to picture a mirror. I want you to picture tonight a mirror. I want you to look straight at that mirror as I read to you tonight. And tell you to feel good about yourself. And what you're thinking, what you plan on doing, is it ethical or not? Or unethical? Here's a poem. I didn't write it. But somebody called Dale wrote it. When you get what you want in your struggle for self, and the world makes you king for a day, just go to the mirror and look at yourself and see that man and see what that man has to say. For it isn't your father or mother or wife or friend whose judgment upon you must pass. The fellow whose verdict counts most in life is yours. It's the one staring back from the glass. Some people may think you are a straight shooting chum. I mean, I didn't write this. And calling you a wonderful guy. But the man in the glass says you're only a bum. If you can't look him straight in the eye. He's the fellow to please. Never mind all the rest. For he's with you clear up to the end. And you've passed your most dangerous, difficult test. If the man in the glass is your friend. You may fool the world, the whole world down, the pathway of life, and get pats on your back as you pass. But your final reward will be the heartaches and tears if you cheated the man in the glass. Think about it. No more false pride. Thank you, Jesus. No more overrated ego. No more distorted self-image. No more distorted self-importance, God. No more I deserve all the credits. I'm the only source of good ideas. Thank God I've been delivered from being a big head, a swell ego. No more big eye, little you. Thank God my ego's out of control no more. I'm just me, the guy in the mirror. Would you bow your heads? It's not how long I preach tonight, but it's how long it will take you to change before the night is over. How much time do you need to be converted? It's not an issue along my preach. 
but it's an issue how long it takes for you to convert. To be at peace with a person in the mirror. For Uso, look in the perfect law of liberty, is like a man that look in the mirror and forget what he looks like and go out and continue. You see, tomorrow you have to do some things. Is it legal? You have to feel some things when you go home. Is that okay with God? Think about it tonight. So see, Friday, you have something to pray for. The man said, Lord, show me what I am. He thought, I'm going to bless him. I give him a nice little word. He opened the, he opened the closet, and a skeleton fell out. He said, that's me. He said, oh, no. Oh, no. He said, what did God say to you? Son, he said, God said there's room for more improvement. There's room for much improvement. I know this is Tuesday night, but is there anybody that want, want to alter one more time? Come stand as a God.